Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, 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 folks, you may have noticed the title. This is a part two episode, meaning we already had a part one, meaning that this guest is someone you've already heard from. Alex Gruen from East to West Hunts is the guest that I'm talking about. Alex is a tag acquisition specialist. I am blown away every time I talk to Alex about his immediate knowledge on these different places. The guy just has it locked away in his head. He is your personal computer well that that might be kind of i don't know maybe he doesn't want to be compared to a computer but he's kind of like a computer he just knows the stuff okay you want to check out alex at east west hunts and uh the reason i bring him on is because he's an excellent resource for uh, not only you but for me too i have a lot of hopes and dreams that revolve around hunting in other states especially out west and alex has that knowledge about how to get that done So we brought him on for this episode because there's a lot of states that are coming due very soon. Some like five days from now, as you'll hear here in just a few minutes. But we want you to have the best opportunity to be able to make that dream happen for yourself. So you need to get on on the the bus here with uh, getting your points and uh, figuring out how to make your dreams a reality. And not only that, but there's an awesome story about how Alex tagged out in Kansas this year on a beautiful mature whitetail and uh, he's going to share that with us before the end of the show so you're going to want to stick around you're going to want to find out how to make your dreams a reality and you need to hear this update on on which states are coming due here soon so you can start applying for those tags building those points and hopefully getting on the airplane or in your car or whatever and heading out to your non-resident hunting destination very soon so with that all being said here's episode 31 of the first gen hunter podcast all about tag acquisition part two Well, folks, we are Brandonless again tonight. Yep, if you think about it, say a prayer for Brandon. He's not feeling so well. And uh, it's an interesting time in history to not be feeling so well. Uh, but that's okay. We got a familiar voice on the podcast tonight, a guy that uh, delivered for us one of the most educational episodes that we've had yet, and it's episode 31. So that's saying something. But before we get to our mystery guest tonight, I just want to lay out some positive talk. Yeah, sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need some positive self-talk. Boy, have I had to do that lately. Deer season has uh, chosen to go the route of 2020. Stick with the theme, you might say. Has not been easy. Has not been predictable. Um, So looking at the small blessings is the only way to get through it. 
and I've had to do a lot of that. Had to look at uh, not just how I've been doing as a hunter, but how I've been doing as a person during this hunting season. And uh, maybe you find yourself in the same boat. Or maybe you're in the boat as our mystery guest tonight who has no idea what I'm talking about right now because he's still riding the, uh, the wave of positive vibe after smoking a beautiful buck uh, just uh, right before uh, pretty much... Re- days before we've re- we're recording this podcast so if that's you i i i uh, am happy with you i promise i'm not i'm not uh i'm not too jealous maybe a little jealous but not too jealous <laughs> a healthy amount of jealous <laughs> but no i i'm nothing but happy for anyone who's having success this year we all need that little bit of positivity that hunting season can bring so if you find yourself in my boat Make sure you remember that not all of success is measured by a notch tag. There's still many days that uh, you may not see hardly a, a thing to shoot at. But if you're learning, that's the most important thing because that's what's going to give you more opportunities in the future. Speaking of in the future, that's why we have tonight's mystery guest. Okay, I got to stop with this mystery guest thing. It's just it's kind of ridiculous, but we have uh, a familiar voice, a uh, good friend of the show, friend of mine, Mr. Alex Gruen from East to West Hunts. Thanks so much for coming back, Alex. Hey man, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Now uh, tomorrow's a return to work day for you, right? That is uh, that is correct. Yeah, I got a nice little vacation. <laughs> <laughs> My my apologies for bringing it up, by the way, but uh, no, you you um, it, it's a little bit easier to go back to work when you can go back in the uh, mood that you're in right now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot easier than uh, the the opposite, you know. Um, thinking about your uh, your deer season. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> not, not, not the jab at you or anything, but uh, yeah, you know, when you when you got a, a good positive feel and you feel accomplished, it's it's definitely not a bad thing going back to work. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you get that question. Well, did you get anything? <laughs> almost, oh, I yeah. almost did. Oh, almost again, huh? <laughs> my, no, my, no. Uh, my my favorite question somebody asks all the time is, "Did you catch anything?" And uh, <laughs> I'll always respond, "No, I did not. I did not wrangle a deer of any sort." <laughs> But I, I did shoot one. <laughs> Hoping for a new net gun for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for that tomorrow, actually, because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, uh, I'm not aware of any uh, current deer trapping that goes on, but yeah, there's <laughs> generally the old uh, stick and string method or the uh, the firearm season is about the only way to get them anymore. Although I do see some people out there who uh, actually get it done with a spear, which to me is just incredible. I mean, that is that is uh, so impressive that they're able to get that close and, and be able to uh, make that happen, but... Yeah, man, that's that's uh, really awesome that you're you're able to uh, go back with uh, a full freezer, and uh, it sounds like some good, based on our previous conversations, some some good taxidermy uh, funds have been spent, and you get to look forward to having that mount come back, which it's coming back with uh, a mount from something that we learned about last time when you were on back clear back in uh, episode, I think it was episode eighteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, episode 18. Uh, you want to refresh the memory of the audience of what? Yeah, what, yeah. What that is? I uh, well, it's kind of funny how it worked out. I had I had shot a muskox in March, and uh, well, all the logistics of it ended up putting me back in in Washington, and then I I just drove over to Idaho where my close buddy is, and uh, he's definitely my choice of taxidermist. So I gave him my muskox and then I just happened to be hunting with him uh, a week ago or this last week. So I was uh, able to just give him my deer and he's like, dude, this works out perfect. He's like, I'm just going to ship you both mounts together in the same crate. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even think about that, but that's awesome if you can do that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's going to be, I'll take it. Yeah. That's going to be like the best FedEx delivery you've ever gotten in your life, man. That's unless you, unless any of your kids have come by a FedEx, I mean, they would probably trump that, but a muskox amount and a, uh, uh, beautiful Kansas whitetail mount. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that you can beat that FedEx delivery. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, uh, that's pretty fantastic there. So, I am. Yeah. I'm nothing but happy I'm, for you. I can't wait for the Instagram post too. Oh, I appreciate that. I I am uh, more curious of the size of the crate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's going to look like. So. Can you can you imagine like the person opening that crate if they had no idea what a muskox was and they were, for oh. what it, for for whatever reason they just had to uh, you know like pry open the lid or whatever and and uh, they saw that thing looking at them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, freak out That's for yeah sure. for sure for sure well man that <laughs> that that'll be awesome when that comes in i'm really excited to see that and uh we'll have to maybe we you know we've tried doing a video podcast in the past we did one with uh noel gandy clear back on uh unlucky episode number 13 which actually ended up being an awesome episode uh but uh it was it was kind of a lot to to try to take on but man maybe the next one that we do with it you could have like the muskox in the background and the you know beautiful kansas buck and all that that'd be kind of cool so now, but, I'm, I'm i'm open to it <laughs> uh, we, we, we we could manufacture all kinds of stuff <laughs> definitely that would be cool so we need to hear before well you know let's not get get too far ahead here but we brought Alex back on because of the timeliness of you listening to this. So I'm talking directly to you, the listener here. And we understand, both Alex and I do, and Brandon would understand this too if he wasn't, uh, you know, infirmed right now. But we, uh, we know that not everybody is to the point in their hunting, should we say hunting career? I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, we use that in our normal vernacular all the time. So maybe you're not to that point in your hunting career or progression as a hunter, whatever the term is, that you're looking to do some of these, you know, distant, you know, week-long out-of-state hunts. But I'm here to tell you, as somebody who's only sort of looked at that and really was just worried about hunting his home state for a long time. I'm wrapping up here season six of hunting in my hunting career. And I'm looking really hard at doing some of these uh, out-of-state tags. In fact, so much so that with 
the help of Alex from East to West Hunts. Uh, I've already applied for my first, I think the right term here, Alex, I think I've been learning, preference point. Is that is that the right term here? You got it. Yep, my first preference point for Wyoming. And so, Wyoming antelope hunt, actually. And so, uh, that's that's where I'm already headed. I mean, that's what that's what I'm looking into. So you do want to stay tuned into this, even if you aren't planning to do one of those big overnight, week-long, whatever it is, out-of-state trips. You want to listen to this because this is information that I can almost guarantee you is going to be very interesting to you within a few years. I mean, it's just it's kind of that natural progression of, of how we think as hunters. You know, what's that? what's that next step? Well, it, a lot of times it's hunting a new species, looking for that new challenge and that new that new totally different experience than what you've ever had before. So mm-hmm. we we definitely want to help you along the way with that. That is, I think, uh, super important for people to understand that. And we're bringing this episode on right now because what are we here alex 10 weeks away something like that from when a lot of these applications are coming due is that correct well yeah and we have some coming sooner i mean we have right now the biggest ones i'm working on are our uh, december 15th deadline for alaska we have arizona coming live here for elk and antelope that's uh looking like a February 9th at midnight date deadline. And then we have uh, Wyoming non-resident only elk that's due end of January. So those are kind of, I mean, those are coming real quick. And then, yeah, we start getting into Utah, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico. So it, it, you know, it is application hunting season. It is, it is about to hit fire and that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely want you to not miss the boat. <laughs> we, you know, right. that's uh, because it really is. I mean, when you start looking at all the years of your life, right? Sounds kind of morbid, but uh, newsflash here nobody lives forever. And uh, people hunt even shorter, generally speaking, especially some of these more difficult hunts. And so what I'm trying to say here is kind of like a missed pheasant season for your bird dog is like a big deal because, you know, they only get like 10 to 12 of them. A missed (laughs) year of applying for preference points is kind of a big deal because you don't get a whole lot of those as a hunter. So you don't want to, you don't want to miss the boat here. And if you're even thinking about doing this, a lot of these places you can uh, for a real, relatively cheap fee, pick up a preference point or, or you know, you know, just start your your point accumulation process for when the time is right when you can go hunting. So, Alex is going to well, take us through that because it's not the same in every state. <laughs> it's actually quite that, different. That, that's true. And and one thing just to add in there is, uh, you know, there's something called point creep, which. I don't, want to, I don't want to take it too off topic, but if you haven't heard of that, it's a it, it's a real thing, and it's basically stating that the the longer you wait to get in the game, the less likely you will ever get that tag because it's taking more and more years to get certain units, and if you're mm. really if you're really trying to wait, 
you might never draw that. So you're just going to have to kind of change your expectations to what you do want to get or what sure. unit you would want to get. Uh, so there's no better time to get involved now because uh, if you look at the the people that were applying 15, 18, 20 years ago, they're just now getting certain tags that they've been applying for, you know. So, wow. um, so uh, there's a long road ahead and you got to get involved now. Uh, if, if you have those uh, admirations or, or, or dreams, not to say every tag will take you that long. We could definitely uh, get you involved and get you a tag within, you know, one to three years. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for you, Kent, and getting you that antelope tag. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait, man. I, I keep hearing about people going antelope hunting or like seeing footage, you know, people post like, man, I really want to do that. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to just have that one point already uh, in the bank and and really looking forward to when the time's right and and uh, getting out to one of those uh, highly coveted uh, units to where they have those really high success rates. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked and I know that there's probably a lot of people listening in who who have their own dreams. So before we jump into that the the specifics of what's coming due, I think we need to go back talk a little episode 18 review here and maybe just kind of in a rapid fire sense here. Uh, let's hit some of these terms and, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to forget about one of the coolest parts of the show though, either. And so, uh, I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here because I really want this story about your Kansas buck. I have not heard the story yet. I just know that you shot this beautiful buck. I've seen the pictures of it. I've drooled over it and, uh, you know, I've celebrated with you, but I have not heard the story yet. And so we need to get that. But I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and let's get the homework done first. And then, uh, we'll, uh, have the fun with the story, uh, kind of at the end to, to close us out. Um, cool. So let's do our homework first, though, before we uh, uh, get to the fun. And let's just go through and let's redefine some of these terms. So term number one, uh, what are when guys are talking about, oh, it's a lottery draw in this mm -hmm. state or for this tag in this state, what are they talking about? Yeah, they're, they're basically talking about the fact that they can't just go and buy a tag or, or a license or a permit, whatever you would call it in uh, the defined state that you want to hunt. It, it basically means that their name is getting thrown in a hat and they will be awarded a tag if their name or their number per se is drawn uh, from the, from the pot. So I, I call it the raffle, uh, the raffle drum and their raffle tickets being drawn out. So then they, they get the right to get that tag. Sure. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, some States that those lottery odds for lack of a better term, uh, they're the same between residents and non-residents. Isn't that correct? For specific tags. I mean, for, for some, yes. Uh, for, for others, no different States will set up or separate. Um, and then, and then certain states, and we could really get into the weeds here, uh, certain states only do a draw where they don't have any kind of preference or bonus opportunities. So your odds are just the same as other non-residents. Um, okay. And then other ones, will they will split the opportunities up. 
Uh, and we can actually talk about one of those tonight, which is Wyoming, because it uh, they have two different pots for two different uh, tags, technically, even though the tag is exactly the same. So, boy, I can sound very confusing there, but I can definitely, <laughs> I can definitely take you through it so you understand a little bit better, and uh, you know, you'll you'll realize why. Uh, people's heads are turning sometimes and they feel dizzy trying to go through this stuff. And that's certainly where I come in to help, help somebody out. Yeah. And I was just about to say that if you're sitting here thinking, Oh boy, this is too much for me. Uh, stop thinking that way for a second. (laughs) And, uh, and that's why we have Alex here. Okay. So he's going to help us on the episode. He's, He's basically giving us like a free consultation right now. But you're going to need to take it that step further. And you know what? Maybe you do have the time to get this all figured out and pour the hours into to mapping this out for yourself. Um, I don't have that kind of time. But but maybe you do. Great. Hopefully this, this is super helpful in getting you started on that process. But if you do not have that time, we're going to give... Alex, a chance here towards the end, right before the the Kansas Buck story, to give us a a big explanation of what East to West Hunts does. And this is not a commercial episode here. This isn't like some infomercial. (laughs) But you need to talk to a guy like Alex if you do feel like your head is spinning and you feel like you don't have the time to get this figured out on your own. Or maybe your head's not spinning. Maybe you do understand it, but you're just like, dude, I don't want to. I don't want to spend all the time doing that. That's why Alex does what he does for East to West hunts. And he's, he can really take off a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So we'll, uh, we'll don't panic. You know, there's, there's things in place here to, to give you the help you need if you find yourself in that, that position. So, okay. So that's, uh, that's lottery and Lottery, I assume the term random odds kind of goes hand in hand with lottery. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, 100%. If you're in the lottery, then you have random odds essentially because every year can be different. But especially if in your, if you're in a lottery that has no preference or bonus points uh, attached to anything, that is the most random that you can get. Right, right. So... And again, these are just terms that you'll hear guys throw out there. You know, you watch enough uh, uh, outdoor TV or listen to enough other podcasts or watch YouTube channels. You're going to hear these terms thrown around. So that's why I'm choosing these terms for you guys. Limited draw. Can you kind of explain uh, what limited draw means? Yeah, so so limited draw basically means that you have a uh, specific zone or unit Uh, Different states call them different things. Uh, It's essentially a particular area that you are applying for, and there's a limited amount of tags for residents. There's a limited amount of tags for non-residents, and you do have to apply for those tags in some form of draw process or lottery. Uh, So essentially, that is uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's the the whole thing. I can break it down. Yeah, so so that just basically means. You know, they have a particular population in that unit. They're managing it a certain way, maybe for more trophy potential, maybe for a different buck to doe ratio, whatever the case is, uh, you know, depending on what we're putting in for that client. 
we'll be able to discuss that if we need to or if they, they care about it. But that's essentially uh, the the simplest format of what I could give you there. And then again, we could we could talk every state's a little bit different, but that that's the clean cut version there for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So a big part of that, and and I'm glad you kind of mentioned zones and units there. I think that's something that a lot of people do not understand, you know. Uh, and when I say a lot of people, people who have not yet gone through the process of applying for an out-of-state tag, I think a lot of times, uh, and I I say this because I was one of these people, and uh, we think that oh, you know, I would really like to uh, go to Montana and hunt elk. I know this really great place where, um, my you know, my family used to go camping and. And uh, we would see elk there all the time. Well, that's great. And maybe that is going to happen for you. But uh, basically what Alex is saying there is states are divided up into these different sections. And um, you, if you're going to go to that specific spot, you got to draw a tag in that specific spot. And that may be a lot easier said than done, um, depending on, on where you're looking at. So... Uh, as, as Alex said, it just kind of depends on what they're managing for. It could just be strictly population. You know, maybe it's just a, a part of the state that doesn't have a great population. So there's not many tags, or maybe it's a part of the state where, uh, there's a ton of animals and, um, maybe there's concerns of chronic wasting or some other kind of communicable disease going around in the herd. And, uh, there are going to be a lot of tags available, but you got to understand mm-hmm. that, that, it's broken down into those units and zones. It's not just as simple as I want to hunt that state. You got to know that you got to know your zones and units and um, what your odds are in those different places, which then brings us to the next thing, accumulating points. Can you kind of explain what these points are like preference points, bonus points, and then what somebody truly means when they're talking about point accumulation? Yeah. So preference points, the the best way that I can describe it is the the point of preference means you get preferential treatment the more points you have right so hmm. if uh, if if we look at statistics and say hey last year's statistics the top point holders that applied for this unit drew the tags and let's say there were ten non-resident tags in whatever unit or, or state you're applying in. Uh, and we knew it took 10 points for five of those guys, and it took nine points for the other five guys. That means that we can statistically say, hey, if this was to stay the same in the year 2021, you would need 10 preference points or 10 years of applying to draw that tag. Wow. So that's that's what preference means. It means like you're essentially, you can't say guaranteed because nobody's ever guaranteed anything, but you're darn near guaranteed if we look at statistics of the past seven years and everybody draws with 10 points or more we know it's a 10 point unit so that's what you're going to need in preference points to draw it um you said bonus points bonus points can be a little bit uh tricky some states do bonus points where you get a point for every year that you apply but they can be used in a certain opportunity as a preference point and in other opportunities they do nothing for you but put you in a random draw 
And I'll add a third one that gets it really into a whammy. Some states square your points. So if you applied for five years and then they're, they're basically squaring it. So five times five would be 25. If this is your sixth year you're applying, that means you get one extra point for that sixth year. So now you're going in at 26 opportunities to draw that tag. So now you got 26 raffle tickets in the drum with your name on them. So uh, there's a lot there. Every state's different, but uh, I, I personally, I, I think preference points are the simplest. The more you have, the better. Uh, bonus points, uh, they can be all over the place. And I, I'll give you more detail today as we kind of talk Arizona and Wyoming and uh, how those get kind of into the weeds. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. That just kind of dawned on me while you're saying that, by the way, with uh, th- this unit, you gave that hypothetical, this unit requires 10 points for the best odds. You know, everyone who got drawn the year before had 10 points and you were like 10 years of applying, man, 10 years. Yeah. That's why yeah. we got to get this going now, people. And I, I talked to myself here. I mean, think of that 10 years, how much <laughs> life can change uh, in 10 years. So you don't want to push it back any, you want to push it back to 11. So definitely uh, be getting in the game now. Um, now, one last thing I want to hit here, and, you know, you can kind of bring that up as we go through our most urgent states here that are coming due. Um, application fees. This, of course, is all over the map, literally um, mm-hmm. and figuratively. Uh, but there's also kind of like an extra little expense that some states put out there. I think if I remember correctly from last time we we talked tags, places like New Mexico uh, yep. require you to buy a hunting license regardless of if you're going to end up drawing a, the tag you want or not. Basically, it's like most states where your hunting license allows you to go shoot squirrels. And uh, if you want to go down to New Mexico to shoot squirrels, which I don't even know if they have any squirrels, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe jackrabbits. Call rabbits. Yeah. Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Cactus squirrels, uh, oh, rare species. Uh, maybe you want to go down and maybe, – maybe you do want to go down and shoot jackrabbits in New Mexico, but um, uh, most likely not. And so you need to you need to understand that part of it too that that it's not just a oh oh well I didn't you know get a tag no money lost no you might still spend a hundred bucks or something on on a hunting license that you may never use so th- I bring that up because there's all of these different aspects here but can you kind of give us like maybe the top three uh, most common application fee setups that you deal with. Yeah, I, I'll split them up into three categories. License is usually the, the first one that almost every state will require. Not every single one, but most. So you'll have to purchase a non-resident license. Okay. Uh, the second thing is you will have to apply for the tag. And when you apply for the tag, there's usually an application fee that you pay to the state for applying. And sure. that can range in between... Five bucks to uh, let's call it 150 bucks, you know, for for depending on what animal and what state you're applying in. And then 
you're going to have some states like uh, Wyoming or New Mexico, for example, where you actually have to pay the entire non-resident tag uh, fee mm-hmm. when you apply. So you're not you're basically, you know, if, if you used Wyoming as an example, you don't actually have a license that you have to buy in Wyoming, uh, but you do have to uh, pay the, the tag fee up front. You have to pay the credit card fee. I think it's two and a half percent that they're charging you on that. And uh, if you draw, then you're going to essentially you're, you're just getting your tag if you draw it because you've already paid for it. But if you don't, you're going to get a refund for the tag that you paid minus uh, what I would call out-of-pocket expenses, which is going to be uh, a uh, it's the credit card fees that you basically charge because you're not getting your credit card fees that you put on it. Uh, potentially interest <laughs> on your credit card if it's sitting there for yeah, a long time, which uh, Wyoming will make you do, especially for elk right now. Uh, there's you, you're you got about a five month lag time of it sitting on your credit card if you're doing that. Uh, so, so there's there's definitely fees up front that you have to pay for. Uh, sometimes habitat stamps, conservation stamps. Uh, Wyoming is a good example of that. If you draw a tag, you do have to pay a $12.50 conservation stamp uh, hmm. for that tag. So th- there are costs that definitely go into it before you even apply to to get that tag. That's good to know. I imagine there's been quite a few, uh, should we say, uh, in the theme of 2020, quite a few Karen moments on the uh, uh-huh. on the phone where someone's like, what do you mean? You know, and and uh, they're upset yeah. about that interest rate or uh, processing fee when they didn't draw. So now, you know, you know that that to be expecting that. And it, yeah, you know, I'm you know, I'm a guy here who's not made of money either. And I don't like paying that stuff. But you got to know that that's just part of the that's part of the way it works. You know, if you want, mm-hmm. if you want to go hunt elk in Wyoming, well, that's great, but there, there is a price to pay there and that that's just part of it. So try not to, try not to get upset when, you know, you got to deal with those necessary evils as I like to call them. Uh, just kind of un- just understand that's, that's part of the process. So yeah, it's, it's good information for people to have that in the back of their minds. Well, let's go ahead and start rolling into these uh, states here that are coming due first. And I guess I would like to start with what is most urgent right now? Uh, most urgent, the hair on fire is Alaska. If you have if you have a goal of hunting in Alaska and you want to get into the uh, the lottery there, uh, that is a you got to apply right now. You got basically eight days if we're including the fifteenth. So. Yeah, that is uh, that is hair on fire. You got to jump on it right now. Uh, I would hope that you have an idea of what you would want to apply for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <now>. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I've been already looking at this for a, a good year for for clients. You know, just kind of uh, I, to be honest, kind of trying to figure out what they're going to draw or what we can get them over the counter. But I got to tell you, logistics right now with COVID and uh, just operations in Alaska has added a whole nother whammy for for clients and uh, with outfitters. And it is a, you know, it, it it's double time what it used to be. And let's put it that way. So there's just, 
you got to have a, a plan and it's going to require a lot of work. But the first thing is we got to get your name in the hat to get that tag. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking Alaska and you do maybe have some of the other leg work done or you want to get in contact with Alex, something that needs to happen like the second you hear this, which is even closer yeah. than, than what we're talking. We're talking on the 7th and this will drop on the 10th. So uh, you you got about five days. Um, one thing I want to address real quick, because you kind of brought it up here with the COVID thing. I remember um, last time we talked, you mentioned uh, the reality of forest fires. And mm-hmm. and we also talked about the COVID thing where people were uh, going to Alaska. And I think they had, you had to be swabbed on your way in before you could get into Alaska. And... Mm-hmm you maybe even had to be swabbed before you could get back on a plane. That might've just been a universal thing there with the, the, uh, before you got back on the plane. But I know Alaska was making everybody get tested before they were coming in. And so that's an extra thing. Yeah. Then within a few episodes after recording that, our buddies, uh, Eric and Ben, gave us a first hand Eric and Ben of Fly True Productions gave us a first hand uh telling of the very warning you gave with the forest fire thing. And sometimes, you know, if the fires are happening early enough, uh the state will head you off before you leave and say, Hey look, um we know you drew a tag this year, but uh because of the forest fires we're worried about our population or just having enough room for everybody to safely hunt, uh, come back another year. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Ben and Eric's tags were over the counter, they were still able to go, but when they got there, they found that everything was just mega crowded because everybody was bottlenecked into, you know, uh, from, from the normal amount of, public hunting areas down to just a handful of areas that that weren't up in flames so uh i bring this up because you need to also be looking watching the news really literally to see what's going on and uh you know be prepared for a major shift in your planning uh which you know could legitimately ruin your trip if you aren't aware of those things beforehand uh, because of what's going to be available to you. So make sure you're uh, keeping an eye on those things too, like like Alex just mentioned with these extra steps because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's good, you know, speaking of the news, there's some talk now of, you know, very soon here, uh, there being vaccines made available to at least like healthcare workers and whoever else gets them first. But I'm going to guess that... Uh, it's probably going to be at least another year, maybe a year and a half, two years. I hope not, but of kind of COVID cramping our style a little bit with how we travel and things like that. So uh, just because it'll kind of, you know, generally the reaction to anything major like this is a little bit overkill. So I imagine states are going to be pretty strict still on, you know, how to to handle that crisis. So be be paying yeah. close attention yeah you know you know the ad i don't want to belabor the covid thing but and maybe maybe it's not the covid thing but uh, the the biggest factor to it is the the amount of clients this year that couldn't go on their trips or uh essentially the amount of 
money outfitters lost due to yeah. canceled trips in Alaska was a big one. It's, it's caused, uh, I would say a, a factor of business loss for transporters, guides, outfitters, and, and even the airlines. And what's, what's happened there is, uh, some of the charters that go out into certain areas have, have gone out of business potentially and or there's just limited operations. So sure. flights that might have gone uh, seven days a week are now going three days a week and uh, they have reduced due to social distancing and so on and so forth. You know, flights that might have had 20, 30 people on them can only have 10 people on them. So now you have to basically you're basically booked out a week to two weeks further, which wow. is going to really make things even harder. And, and, and here's the reality of it, right? If, if you got to fly in on a, on a, you know, a charter flight, you might be actually on that peninsula for two weeks versus one week because your charter flight's not coming back. So it's a lot of work in the backstory there where, you know, people think, oh yeah, you know, I can do my stuff by myself. Yeah, you can, but guess what? Like if you never experienced it, you don't have a clue what's going on. So yeah it's it there's there's a lot more behind the scenes that um you know hunters are going to experience that's for sure and I, i've firsthand seen that so uh, there's 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 a lot out there right now yep that's really good insight stuff that you're not going to know unless unless you got an inside guy so yeah, really, really important information there if, if you're looking at alaska so timeliness and then also making the right preparations uh to work around our our current uh, state of how things are going right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good old 2020. Well, even now yeah. we're talking 2021. So <laughs> Ho- hopefully it's better. Hopefully it's better. Well, uh, what's coming up next? What's, what's, uh, flying off the calendar after Alaska? Uh, you got Wyoming non-resident elk that'll be hitting, uh, that's due end of January. Okay. And, uh, Wyoming is, Wyoming's a state where you don't have a license, but you uh, do have to pay the tag up front. So if you're if you're looking into what most people look at, um, you know, kind of the 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 elk uh, license itself being, uh, you know, almost eight hundred bucks. So you're you're forking that over. Uh, now Wyoming has an interesting factor where they have two different draws one of them being regular, one being a special draw. And uh, essentially your odds get better into the special draw, but you also have to pay almost $1,400 for the tag versus 800. So uh, you do have to fork that over right off the bat. And then essentially you're guaranteed out-of-pocket costs for at least a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's... Wow, that is that is kind of a, a good chunk of money there that you'll have have sitting out there. But but again, that's you know that's the price of, of going to a really a cool place to to hunt elk, and hopefully uh, somebody will take take that initiative to do that next year. Yeah, well, Wyoming is a great. Actually, I would probably say Wyoming is one of the best opportunity states to get really nice elk and uh you know you could potentially be only kind of in one to three years of a wait uh so so there's good stuff there for sure yeah yeah you know just some of those places too 
and maybe this is just the, uh, for lack of a better term, the romantic side of me. No, not that kind of romantic. Um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I want to hear about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah, east to west hunts can't help you there. You know, that's, you know, I'm from Iowa. All for, for, for all the fellow Iowans out there who have not yet found love, you know, I think farmers only, you know, that's probably the... <laughs> Mm. Oh, no, all right I'll, I'll keep that in my back pocket yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> no no oh, that's man. you know actually the stanford marching band got in trouble for that during the rose bowl about five years ago or so because uh <laughs> they they did a farmers com halftime show when iowa was playing stanford in the rose bowl <laughs> Wow. Uh, hey, I I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I'm an I'm a big <laughs> Iowa fan and and I know what I've been got, you know. It's kind of funny, kind of fun. But no, that's their, uh That's their target market. yep, yep, yep. Yep, that's that's it was pretty funny. Well played, Sanford. Well played. Uh, they also destroyed Iowa in the football game too, so <laughs> that was also well played. <laughs> It's a double whammy. <laughs> That's why we were so offended by the <laughs> halftime show. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, oh, no, man. it was it was a it was a rough Rose Bowl. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, why going to some of these places is a good place. Not the romantic side of me, like the drama, the the extra stuff that just makes it special. I guess you could say. You know, these some of these states like Wyoming and Montana probably the most. Not that the other western states aren't great places to hunt, but you look back at the, you know, like the stories of mountain men and, you know, some of those people that that uh, we would all recognize their names. You know, you're hunting the same ground where they were, and I think that's that's pretty special. So Wyoming's worth the extra hassle or outstanding charge on your uh, credit card hanging there for a few extra months uh, to, to get in there and hunt. And I'm definitely planning to hunt there very soon. Okay, there's a couple other um, species here in Wyoming while we're talking about it that would probably get people's attention but may seem a little intimidating for uh, the first-time Wyoming uh, road tripper. And mm-hmm. that would be um, sheep, moose, which, if I remember correctly, a Wyoming moose tag. Isn't that Shearus moose? Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. yep. That's like, you know, if you ever hear about somebody who's found a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, that would be in the shape of a Shearus moose tag, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way of putting it, especially with their... Uh their their limited population that they have right now that's for sure yeah yeah and i don't think their population is is like growing i don't know maybe it's stagnant or something but uh the word that i've heard is not great but still a huntable population so uh there's still tags available but uh is that due date coming soon or when do people need to be looking at that yeah, you you know you look at those uh, closer to March. Okay. So you got a little bit more time there, and then same thing with um, with bison, and that's a little bit of a I still call it a separate uh, opportunity. But yeah, you have you have kind of those bigger, um, you know, I don't want to call them more expensive, but it, they're just 
they're not the most common species, right? When you, when you talk common species in Wyoming, you're actually talking antelope. That's really what I would say they're known for. And then you get into the elk and, and mule deer aspects. Uh, when I look at the more big species there, you have the mountain goat, moose, sheep, and then separately you got bison. And, and that's all kind of that March time frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and the bison thing, that is, can you kind of explain that? I mean, when I first heard that people were back to hunting bison, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. And, but it's a real thing and, and not just in Wyoming, but Wyoming does kind of have a unique situation with what's going on there. Can you kind of explain that to people? Yeah. So, so <clears throat> Wyoming, uh, you're, you're hunting a herd that a lot of people think is from Yellowstone. It's not, it's, um, from, uh, Grand Teton, uh, national park. So you're, you're looking at a completely different group, the completely mm-hmm. different herd. And, uh, you know, one of them you'd be applying in Montana. This is obviously Wyoming that we're talking about. So uh, the interesting part with that is it's a it's a very expensive hunt. You know, your your tag for a bull bison is forty four hundred bucks. Whoa! So you're, or or uh, it might be even higher. I, I think last I saw it was like forty forty five and some change. So so wow. let's call forty five hundred bucks, right? Man, uh, that's that, that's that's a pricey tag. Uh, now the herd is actually doing really well it's overpopulation objectives. They want about 500 animals in the park. And right now their estimate is that they're about 700, maybe more than 700, which is high. Uh, what, what's happening is the concern is that that group is going to start, uh, potentially dying due to lack of food. Okay. So they, they need to, they need to pull down that herd number uh, the issues right now that they're having are that the the bison are supposed to be wintering, and the the whole point of that hunt is that these animals are going to get out of the park when it starts snowing, and they're going to go into a national elk refuge, which is an op- it's an opportunity where they can get food at a, at a lower elevation. They'll come out of the park, and that's where basically the hunt would be able to take place. So if you're getting a tag for that, you are praying that you get bad weather and that these animals decide to come out of the park so you can harvest them. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's essentially that tag. And there, there's only one outfitter in there, um, that actually helps with retrieval as well. Um, guys called tag and drag is, is the company. Um, they're the only ones that are allowed to be in that elk refuge that, that can do that. But in the event that you did shoot a bison, and uh, you need to get that meat out of there because you didn't have bad weather or it warms up by happenstance, you're going to want some help because uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to pack that up <laughs> fast enough before that meat spoils. Yeah, man, that would be quite the undertaking to get that out of there for sure. Yeah. But, but you know, that sounds like a ton of money, but when you look at what it costs to do some of the other hunts, in North America, you know, you look at some of the moose hunts and, and some of the, um, I mean, even some elk hunts, depending on where you go, you know, when you start factoring all the costs for travel and food and everything else, you know, 
you can, if you plan all that other stuff to be as cheap as possible, you know, the bison hunt might not be, be, uh, out of the question, but sounds like that's kind of a developing thing and, and, um, certainly would be a cool opportunity, but might be good to just kind of watch and see where that goes here over the next few years. Cause I got to imagine that something's gonna, something's gonna have to give in order to, uh, prevent kind of what you were talking about with some of those, uh, uh, population, uh, dependent problems that, that can arise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be, uh, it would be a sight to see if they actually ended up allowing some form of a hunt in the national park Mm. because they had to reduce the population. Uh, the, you know, the other thought is, yeah, and you're right. It is, it's an expensive tag. You could potentially with all costs kind of put together, you might be flirting with a hunt that's going to cost you just as much as just going to Alaska because you can get bison in Alaska, your tag there, or shall I call it your permit? Uh, it's 900 bucks. So wow. Oh man. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, that's a quarter of the price. Uh, but now you're going to potentially have other incurred costs from logistics and other stuff. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, a lot of the times things shake out exactly the same. So there is other opportunities out there if you are somebody that's really wanting to get after that iconic species. Yeah, yeah, that would that's definitely a hunt of a lifetime, and uh, you know probably if you're if you haven't been thinking about it before, it'll probably be something that's several years down the road yet, just to get all the, the logistical uh, details taken care of. So. All right, let's move on to another state here. Um, mm. What about, uh, I think you said Arizona is coming up soon. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Arizona is coming up for uh, elk and antelope. Okay. Uh, so, so that's February 9th uh, is the date. So, again, coming close. We've got, what, a month and a half here to kind of figure out units and uh you know what that looks like. Arizona's interesting. You do have to buy a non-refundable uh it's a hunt fish combo license for non-residents. That's 160 bucks. So just so you know that's that's your cost right up front. Do have to pay application fees for each animal. Uh now again, you only have two that you're applying for right now, but in my opinion, Arizona is one of those places where if you're going to pay the 160 bucks go and apply for all the animals because, uh, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. and it, it's not a lot, you know, when you're looking at the, the application fees now, now again, if I'm doing your applications, you, you're, you're going to pay a application fee to me for doing the service to you, uh, or potentially looking into other packages where that's all included for you. But, uh, Arizona charges a $15 application fee per animal, which is pretty, it's, I hate to use the word cheap, but it's not expensive. And, uh, you know, if you're going to do that and you pay the 160 bucks, you might as well go in all in on all the animals because you do have a potential to draw any of those tags. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. Then that, you know, you're getting the most out of your 160 bucks from the standpoint of you're applying for the most tags, but also there's a good chance that you'll actually get a hunt on your 160 bucks. Uh, by putting in for all those tags too. So, plus I think I learned recently, Arizona is kind of a trophy state, isn't it for elk? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, 
if I think if I think trophy state for elk, I always think Nevada and Arizona. And Arizona, I got to give it to Arizona. They are clearly winning in that category. So yeah, if you if you go and you want to to get yourself in in a, a unit where you're going to have a a 375 to 400 plus size elk, Man. Uh, that is that is the state that you definitely want to apply for, and it's because. Arizona, it's a bonus point system in Arizona, but only 20% of the tags go into uh, kind of like a preference point setup and 80% of them go into a random draw. So even if you just apply and you're just throwing your name in the hat, there is potential that you could be one of very few people that draw one of those tags and you have just the same odds as somebody else, even though you're trying to bank more bonus points, you know? So, uh, that, that's one of those, you, you got to throw your name in the hat. We got to put you in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, and there's just other cool stuff to hunt in Arizona. I, I think I've heard before that, um, coos deer, aren't those, aren't those over the counter in Arizona? Uh, archery you have over the counter yep it's um oh okay so kind of near the end of the near the end of the year uh you know i would say kind of the best dates are i mean christmas time realistically if you can go that's a pretty good time to get into the kind of end of christmas to new year time frame okay yeah so there are some you know cool hunt options there as well if you know some over the over the counter options if by some chance you didn't draw on any of your applications, you could, you know, maybe still go down and try and try and, uh, hunt coos deer and guys who, uh, go after those coos deer, um, they seem to get kind of hooked on it. Like it's, it's a kind of a unique challenge, a totally different way of hunting a, a, uh, deer. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they're just kind of a unique animal too with how, uh, they're basically a miniature whitetail, <laughs> but uh, experts at at being invisible and you know very few places in uh, North America where you can hunt coos deer. So definitely a a way to kind of salvage that opportunity if you have the time to still go down, even if you don't draw one of your other applications. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's spot on. So, uh, after Arizona, well, we got Alaska, we got Wyoming coming up. We got Arizona, not too far off. Uh, when's kind of the next big round people just in general, you know, what are some States that people need to keep an eye out for? Uh, you know, after really after Wyoming, you're going to have Utah, you're going to have Nevada, you're going to have New Mexico. Um, then you, you start getting into, so basically Utah, Nevada, and New Mexico are all in March as well. Okay. Um, and then you start having April come along, and then you have Montana, elk and deer. Colorado goes live. Uh, then you have Kansas, and then you start jumping into Idaho. So, um, you know, it's I mean, it's basically application season every month, start in December, and we are rolling till, gosh, June realistically yeah yeah that's that's good to know that and we'll we'll try to have alex on you know every few months or so just to kind of give us an update on that i think that's one way that first gen hunter and east to west can kind of partner up here and uh help 
keep you guys informed and keep you in the loop and hopefully uh, making some of these dream hunts a reality for you. So speaking of dream hunts though, Alex, we made it. We've got to the point in the episode where uh, we get to have the dessert. We get get to have a little bit of fun here. We want to hear this story about your Kansas buck. All right. Are you ready? I, I'm, dude, I, whenever since I saw that post, I, actually, I think, you know, Alex and I have become good enough buddies now. I think I got a text before I uh, uh, saw the post, and I was super stoked for you. Uh, I can't remember. I think I was, I had just gotten back from uh, my hunt down in southwest Iowa. And, mm. and, uh, I think I got the text and it was a nice, I, this, this will show you that I'm not jealous of everybody else's success. Everyone else who can kill, <laughs> kill deer this year, but me, um, that was actually like a little dose of medicine when things didn't work out for me on uh, my most recent trip and, uh, seeing, seeing Alex have that success. It was like a nice little, uh, fist pump that I had there with, Yes. Somebody is is having a good hunting season. <laughs> so, yeah. so ever since then, I've been dying to hear the story. I have not heard the whole story yet. Please do tell. All right, guys, for the tip of the day, it is bird hunting related. I finally got out last weekend and really focused the day on chasing down some pheasants. And as it usually goes here in the Midwest, you hope to see a few quail. Well, I ended up seeing more quail than I did pheasants. It was a good day of pheasant hunting, but I saw a lot of quail. And we can actually thank Mr. Todd Bogenschutz of the Iowa DNR for today's tip of the day because it pertains to something he talked about clear back in episode 19. In that episode, I asked him about the population of quail here in Iowa, and he mentioned a study that had been done in the past to kind of figure out uh, how exactly quail use cover, where they're going to be spending their time in relation to that cover. And he talked about how quail are very closely tied to woody brushy cover so think of small trees um, you know scraggly uh, brush piles things like that and boy was he right I noticed right away right as soon as I flushed the first uh, quail on Saturday that uh, it was right next to a small little group of trees and that continued to happen as I uh, hunted that that day. Uh, every time my bird dogs would go on point near some woody cover like that, I fully expected to see quail. Now, how is this really a tip? Well, one of the hardest things about hunting quail, again, especially here in the Midwest, is you really aren't fully expecting them a lot of the time. Furthermore, quail are super challenging to get a shot off in time and to uh, get them on the ground. They're very fast. They are a very small target compared to the huge size of a pheasant. 
And so having that little bit of extra mental preparation when your dog goes on point right there near that brushy cover, you know you can be expecting, it won't always be this way, sometimes it'll still be a pheasant, but a lot of the time you got a better chance at bagging that quail if you know that you're in the quail's neighborhood. So my tip for today is really pay attention to your dogs when they're pointing. You need to do that anyways. You really got to read your dogs to, to have a successful day of hunting. But especially be in tune when they go on high alert near that cover that quail really like to spend their time in. So hope that's helpful. I hope you can take that into the field yet this winter and uh, maybe even get yourself one of those little speed demon quail that are popping out of the grass right there along those uh, woody covered areas. All right, well, let's get back to part two of the interview here with Mr. Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts. You know the, the stories the story can be long because this started last year so I, I hunted Kansas last year same exact time frame and uh, I came home empty-handed because I was love struck by uh, re- really two bucks but one buck I, I could have shot him but he was so broken off by the time I I saw him in the field like I just didn't have the I just had no reason to shoot him yeah uh, and then I ended up seeing a larger buck, and then I, I was after him for three straight days. I had him in my crosshairs, and I just could not justify pulling the trigger because I had him at 450 yards, and the sun was, I mean, I probably had two minutes of shooting light, and I just did not feel good yeah. in that shot. So Made the right call. Dreams. Made the yeah, right call. Totally. Totally. I didn't want to wound deer and, and, you know, and then it's a mess. So, uh, so I came home empty handed and for a year I wanted to go back and hunt that same exact property in the exact same spot looking for this deer. So here's where things get a little bit sad, but not really. Um, I get back to Kansas. I'm, I'm here with two friends, uh, my buddy, Nick, who's also my taxidermist. And then my buddy, Jason, who I hunt with pretty much every year. And, uh, Jason and I had hunted last year so that, you know, he kind of knows the story to this, but needless to say, we get to, we get to one of the farmer's houses and, uh, he shows me a picture of a guy that came by, I think it was his nephew two weeks ago. And he bow hunted and shot that deer that I was looking for that I saw <laughs> last year. Oh. And he was, beautiful I, I think he scored 183 uh, i mean just a gorgeous deer i'm looking at him and i was like i um i don't know how to feel right now but congratulations to him because yeah. that was a beautiful deer you know yep so so game plan changes and i and i tell my buddy nick and, and we're scouting so <clears throat> i kind of lay the story out here i i drove sunday night and monday i got in town monday night went straight to bed 
Tuesday woke up and we were all ready to go scouting. So we basically scouted from our trucks and kind of hit different properties. We found four or five, you know, hitless deer. And then we did have a trail camera on one of the properties and we had uh, two really nice bucks on there. One really, really tall, big eight point. And then um, uh, another buck that looked like he was a nine pointer. He was really tall, kind of narrow, but he like curves in the front. He's got this really cool point. And I was like, God, that deer just, there's something about him. I really like him, you know? So needless to say, we're scouting on Tuesday. My buddy, Nick, is uh, we're at the property where I saw uh, the big buck that I wanted to go back after and that broken off buck from the prior year. And I, I was telling Nick, I'm like, hey, this is where this buck came from. And and, and we're all sitting in the truck. We're, we're glassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, you know, I got my spotter out the whole night. We're looking at it. And Nick goes, I, I see him. I see him. And I'm like, where? And he's like, right where you said he would be. And I'm like, all right, I got to get my eyes on him. I look at him and I'm like, he's exactly, it. you couldn't miss the deer. He's so white horned. He sticks out like a sore thumb. And uh, sure as heck, same deer, bigger than, than last year. He's not broken off at all. Oh, man. Beautiful. And uh, and I'm like, all right, Nick, well, I wanted to hunt this property tonight. And he's like, nope, I found him. I get to hunt him. And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, that's a good deal. If you Whoever saw him first gets to, gets to go hunt him. Sure. So... Nick goes, ends up, he ends up hunting that property that, that following day in the evening. Um, and I'm with my buddy, Jason on another property. We're sitting together, uh, waiting out those two other deer that we had on camera. And he's like, I'll shoot the eight. And then if you want to, you know, hunt the, the nine pointer, then we kind of both have two opportunities there. So Yep. 445 comes by and, uh, I'm, I'm telling Jason, I was like, Nick's going to shoot that deer. Like, I gave him the play-by-play. The deer's going to come down the draw. He's going to jump the fence. He's going to come eat about 100 yards from him. He's going to he's going to take him out. And uh, 445 comes about, and Nick texts us and says, I shot that huge 10. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew it. I freaking knew it. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm pumped for him, you know, because I was like, it, it's super cool. And, yeah. and, you know, gosh, when you, when you can call the play-by-play, too, it's, oh, it's yeah. hilarious, you know. Well, it feels good. So, I mean, it feels it feels like you know you're you're figuring it out, you're patterning this buck, and that's that's really cool. Totally, and and, and you know, and and it goes to show the animals will do the same thing year over year too. It's their house, you know. Right. So, so anyways, we sat that night. Nothing came out on on uh, on my end. Uh, we got back. We go get his deer. He scored a hundred and sixty three. Uh, really nice, really nice buck. Uh, definitely. I would say he's a five and a half year old. We'll, we'll, we'll look at his teeth and all that, but, uh, beautiful deer. And he ended up killing the largest one of the, the group of us. So, so then, uh, Thursday night comes along or actually Thursday morning comes along. I'll take that back. And the plan was, I was still going to go hunt with Jason at this other farm. And, uh, we're sitting nine o'clock comes by, we're seeing a ton of deer, but just nothing that, you know, we're interested in. I, I think we saw 32 deer in a matter of Man. like three hours. So I'm like, all right, let's pack our stuff. By the time we get there, these, these deer are in a, in a huge, uh, Milo field and you can just, you can pick them out, but they're, it's a, it's a huge property, you know? So we're like, all right, how are we going to head these guys off? So Jason and I jump out. 
we start, we're like belly crawling military style trying to get <laughs> right above a little peak to try to get to these deer. And, uh, meanwhile, deer are crossing the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, come on. I'm like, how, how's that happen? The wind's not in their direction or anything, you know? So, so sure as heck we get up and I glass and I was like, there's a really nice buck in there. He's probably 140 plus and he's the last one he's tailing the whole group right sure and he's headed to like our main farm and and we have you know all the farming equipment there houses the whole nine so we end up driving over there and we get to this grain truck and it's like it's an old grain truck that's just kind of dead in the field right it doesn't run anymore and we're behind it and uh i set up my tripod i'm glassing jason's glassing and we cannot find these deer and I'm like, uh-huh. dude, I'm like, I'm mystified. Like, how did they disappear? You know? So, so then I, I kind of go back to my basics. I'm like, all right, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to really go Western glassing style here. I'm going to put on a tripod and I'm just going to literally look at section by section here. And I'm, and I ended up finding the deer and I'm a big optics snob, but man, did it help having good, good optics? Because I, I literally found them by seeing one horn sticking out of, uh, probably about five foot of grass kind of. Wow. And, uh, we saw them and then they, you know, once, once we kind of figured out where they were, there were three bucks there and there was like a two and a half year old, three and a half year old, four, four and a half year old deer. Uh, we watched them for a good, like 45 minutes. And then I saw them bed back down. And then my buddy Jason's like, all right, man, I'm going to go after him. So we kind of figured out how he was going to go. He went around two properties, got into the grass, crawled down. This whole thing is like, now I'm watching a TV show. Right. Yeah. And, uh, now, now he's within a hundred yards of him on his stomach and he's literally sitting prone on his stomach, got his rifle out and he's just waiting for this buck to get up. And <laughs> the biggest buck stands up and he literally looks his way. There's no way that he saw him. And he's just kind of relaxed as I'll get out. And Jason just drills him. I mean, he just dropped immediately. And I was like, I, when he got back, I was like, dude, I literally was watching the outdoor channel through my binoculars <laughs> because I, I had the whole thing going. So, so anyways, we grab his deer, uh, you know, all feeling good. And then the plan for me then was, Hey, now I kind of got, you know, I got everything to myself at this point. So, uh, in the morning, right right before daylight i see one of the large large bucks comes out it was the uh the nine pointer and uh he's pushing does in this field and about two minutes before shooting light he jumps a fence into the bedding area so i'm like oh here we go so to kind of explain how this how this works we're sitting uphill and we're looking downhill at a area which is like a kind of a travel corridor in between two fields to the right, there's a fence. They're jumping the fence, and there's a bunch of pine trees. They're going and bedding in these pine trees. And then when they're ready to feed, they're jumping back over the fence, and they're coming through this travel corridor. So that shot through the travel corridor there is about 250 to 260 yards. So sure, I, I had my rifle set. I ranged that area probably 50 times in a matter of, you know, four days. And... Uh, at 4.30 in the afternoon on that second sit, that so-called nine-pointer jumps the fence, and I'm just sitting on the ground, and I had everything dialed in. I I, I don't think he was over the fence 30 seconds. I drilled him. 
Awesome, uh, man. Right through one shoulder, right down the other. And he was, I mean, he was down within seconds. Um, I don't think he went 10 feet from where I shot him. Man, so, that was so awesome. Yeah, really, really, really cool deal. When we went in, when I got my hands on the buck, though, he's actually an 11 pointer. He, and I knew he had a lot of trash, but he's got a lot of trash in his bases, but he's got two scorable points on his bases. Um, and, and he's a lot older than the other deer. You can just tell he's, yeah. he's gray in the face. I was checking out his teeth. I mean, just, just such a super cool buck, but gosh, it couldn't have worked out any better the way that, that it, that it happened. Uh, so I was, I was jazzed up about that for sure. That is so cool, man. Yeah. I'm super happy for you. That's the kind of thing that, you know, it seems like when you have those disappointments in hunting, you know, if you stick with it, if you, if you uh, do things the right way and, and kind of put in that time and, and just keep your attitude right, you know, eventually it's going to shake loose for you and, and uh, you're going to have those huge moments down the road and, yeah, you got a now you got an, another taxidermy bill for your buddy. <laughs> you know, he was joking about that. He's making fun of uh, another deer, and he was like, "Oh yeah, another Alex the deer is right there in the background." He was a little forky, you know. And I was like, "Hey, you better be careful about what you wish for, because I'm not getting taxidermy if I shoot that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Touche, man. I'm gonna just be quiet." I was like, All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, "It's funny, no, but yes, he's got a taxidermy uh, bill coming for me for sure." <laughs> yep. No, that's that's awesome and definitely what it's all about. So I'm glad you're able to have that experience. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Well, Alex, so appreciative of you coming back on the show. Before you leave, give us a rundown on East to West Hunt services that people can expect, how they can get in touch with you, and um, why it's important to uh, consider going with, with a guy like you when doing the non-resident thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I, I do things differently. I uh, it, it's 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 a high end, high premium. Uh, it's a personalized service, so you got to know that right off the bat. I really do three different things. One of them is I'll do tag applications, which is I would say the um, you know it's 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 the kind of the bread and butter to the business, but uh, it, it opens up into two different you know side parts, or or I would say I call the fork in the road. You have hunt planning. Once you draw your tag, uh, you're going to probably want to have a plan of where you're going and what you're doing. So hunt planning is very critical. So that is a part of, of uh, the services that I offer. And then I have something called an ultimate hunt package. Uh, yes, super awesome name, I know. But <laughs> the, 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 the reality of it is, is it includes all of your tag application fees uh, that you would basically be paying as service fees. Sure. Uh, kind of bundled up and then you also get the uh the hunt plans as part of that as well so for example if somebody was just buying tag applications and then they draw that tag you know they obviously have paid for their tags they've paid for the service fees all that fun stuff but then they're gonna go oh but i i still want a hunt plan so now they're gonna have to go buy a hunt plan i will throw this caveat out there uh hunt plans have been very labor intensive for me. Uh, you know, I will put anywhere between, gosh, I put in between like 12 to 25 hours for a hunt plan. Wow. Uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're charging by the hour, uh, I mean you easily, and there are businesses out there, they're, they're going to charge you 2,500 bucks for a hunt plan. Um, sure. I have put a lot of time into it. My costs are going up. So 
prices will go up. So if you are interested in that, uh, I would I would get involved now before the price fees go up <laughs> for, yeah, for 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and same thing you know, with, with a whole hunt package, then you're basically getting as many hunt plans as you need for however many tags you drew that year as part of that price point. So you're, okay. you're basically not having to shell out anything extra. But right. that's really it. I, uh, I'll, I'll connect with anybody over the phone. I don't charge anybody for consultations or anything like that, but I do obviously – uh, then have fees accordingly for doing your tag applications or whatever you choose from there. So, uh, give me a call, shoot me an email. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, you know, just like, you know, with you, Kent, you know, just kind of telling you, Hey, uh, deadlines up, you know, you probably might want to jump in to get a point this year, you know, otherwise right. you're, you're a year behind. So that the, the, the point of the business is, you know, it, it, it's a person to person business, you know, you got to get involved. We got to talk about it. There's a lot of conversations about it, and every year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going to want to know when things are due. You're going to want to know, uh, you know, what you're getting involved with. And, and to your point, uh, there's a lot of time involved, and you're probably not going to want to sit there and, and screw around yeah. with every single detail of it. And that's really where the business point comes into it. It's somebody else doing the work for you. And, uh, you know, to me, it's I kind of have a twofold thought to it, you know. Uh, there's the old adage of, uh, food never tastes as good as it does at somebody else's house. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, my, my, my kids do that. They have goldfish here, but they go over to their friend's house and all of a sudden the goldfish must taste more amazing over there. <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes somebody else doing things for you, you feel a lot better about it. Yeah. And, and, and that's just real. Uh, the other one is it, it, it's, it's a service and you feel good about having it taken care of for you. And, yeah. and that's where it comes in. And, and I'll say my most popular product is the, is the, the whole package, uh, because people just want everything done altogether. They don't want to deal with it. And if they draw two, three tags in the next year, uh, boy, are they getting their money's worth because they'd be spending five times the amount, uh, adding everything together, you know? Yeah, certainly. So, so that's that. Uh, to get a hold of me, uh, my uh, my uh, phone number is 720-248-7181 or shoot me an email at E as in East 2, the W for West, and then Hunts, H-U-N-T-S. So E2WHunts at gmail.com. And uh, I, uh, I will get back to you pretty darn quickly. I am glued to my phone. So um, if uh, you have any questions or anything, yeah, just reach out. Yeah, definitely do that. And definitely follow Alex on Instagram. And uh, he's got a, a page under his regular name, Alex Gruen, so you can follow him there. And uh, also uh, there's an East to West Hunts page. Follow them both. And um, make sure that you're you're linked up with the latest information he has there. And plus it's just fun. I mean, that's where you get to see all the pictures of his buck and, and all of his other hunting uh exploits and actually alex was recently with his uh his um muskox hunt that we were just talking about at the beginning of the show was featured uh what was it last month in a uh hunting magazine with that whole story on on your muskox hunt yeah i was uh, i had no clue that was happening i i sent somebody uh a picture of it and uh gosh what what is it? Eight nine months later, I I got an email saying I was going to be in the uh, in the publication. So pretty cool deal. I uh, I was I mean happy to see it, but totally shocked. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that was cool. It was it was uh, much deserved. So 
yeah, Alex is the guy to talk to. Make sure you uh, check out his stuff and follow along, and and uh, uh, definitely keep those dreams alive for going out to these other states and extending your hunting season a little bit. And um, you know, bring your kids, get them included in it, start your own new traditions, and uh, start stocking up points for those uh, once in a lifetime hunts that are, you're going to need to be doing that for. So. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. Thanks for the encouraging story on uh, someone having some hunting success here in 2020. And uh, look forward to having you again here soon. Yeah, likewise, man. Uh, Thank you for the uh, opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Lots to take in there, folks. Lots to take in. Hope you uh, have your wheels spinning. Well, maybe that's not the right term. Wheels turning on where it is you want to take your next dream hunt. I know I have some places in mind. I know Brandon has some places in mind. Although Brandon, I think, just wants to feel better right now. Send up a prayer for for Brandon to to get feeling better here soon so we can get him back on uh, the next episode. Well, guys, it's getting to that late season time frame. I have some plans in place for my own uh, late season hunts. I'm actually going to take my wife along. It'll be kind of her, uh, well, she went hunting with me a couple times with a bow this year or one time, something like that. Um, And that was a cool encounter that we had there with a a really cool buck. Um, So hopefully uh, it'll be a good thing uh, when we... Uh, get out there for a little Iowa gun season action. Also still have some archery tags to fill, so I'm sure I'll get out a few times trying to make that happen. Just had a wonderful day of pheasant hunting with my bird dogs, and uh, man, are they a lot better hunters than I am. <laughs> if I had only hit as many birds as they pointed for me, it would have been a, would have been a full limit day. But the uh, point is, there's still so much to enjoy in these last few weeks of the hunting season maybe even get out there and do a little small game hunting i know the waterfowlers still have uh some of the most exciting times ahead of them with uh some of these late uh season um migrations and uh i don't know much about waterfowl hunting so i'm not going to pretend i do but point is a lot of great hunting out there left i hope you are finding i hope you're finding success in your own seasons and i hope you're finding a lot of great content from Brandon's channel, dhuntfishlife.com. Make sure you're on uh, their Facebook page. Give them a like. Go over to their Instagram channel as well. And uh, also, be sure to uh, check out Alex at East to West Hunts and uh, see all the great things he has going on there. And uh, finally, check out the stuff for me on firstgenhunter.com. I just shared one of my articles I wrote earlier this year that was pertinent to this point in most states uh, for the deer season, which is gun season. How to uh, be more effective with your uh, blaze orange. Yeah, stand out like a sore thumb. How to to maybe be a little bit more tactful with that. Uh, But also 
check out the First Gen Hunter Instagram and uh, Facebook pages. Check out Go Wild, where you'll find my account there, and uh, also on YouTube. I need to get another vlog up. I got all this footage that I've been sitting on. It's just busy, folks. It's busy this time of the year for school. It's busy for everything. Busy hunting. I need to just sit down, though, and uh, get some of those vlogs rolling again. They're kind of fun to do. At least least uh, fun to see a different side of things so all that said I really truly hope you're having the the best hunting season you can I know this has been a difficult year for for a lot of people and I hope that hunting season is adding a bright spot to it and as we wind down it's more important than ever that you take care and take someone hunting